Welcome to Super Fantastic Nerd Hour, episode 66. We're talking DC Comics Multiversity. Uh, I am Olima too, and I'm joined, as always, by AJ Conrad. How's it going, Conrad? Going well, Ali. Well, what an epic debate we're going to have in our infinite crossover chamber today. Conrad, who do we have in the crossover chamber? Uh, well, who do we have? Who do we have in the topic? <laughs> uh, we're talking multiversity. And what is multiversity? It's uh, a good question. I don't know. Entirely. You don't know what exactly it is. Well, I don't, I don't exactly. Well, at least I don't completely understand what's hmm. happening in multiversity. But it's a big epic comic book event that just concluded that we're talking about and then in the crossover we're going to put that against a pretty other big comic book event which is known as Watchmen another right. massive series from right. DC and what's in the top 5 uh top 5 are top 5 parallel universes or parallel stories right yeah, there's a, a, a lot of uh, multiverse stuff that we're talking about in this week's episode. So this is an episode you and I have talked about doing for a long time. And it's uh, we had to kind of push things around because of our schedule stuff for a while. And that kind of, that's a good parallel to the story of multiverse uh, or multiversity. This is a story that has been in the mind of Grant Morrison, someone who's very familiar to the world of comic book fans for a long time. And we'll, we'll dive into how the story came to be. But we should tell you all that while we're going to touch upon some elements of the story, we're not really going to be talking about too much, uh, too many of the spoilery details because that's not really what's so interesting about multiversity. But what's much more interesting is this whole project and how it's come to be. So don't worry, fans. Not too many spoilers in today's episode. Hopefully not. Hopefully, Hopefully not. not. So I think a good place, Conrad, to start here is just what the heck the whole idea of the DC multiverse is. I'm wondering, I mean, you've talked about, you're very open about your love of Wonder Woman. And I've talked about my love of Batman and our joint love of Batman. How much did you know about the DC multiverse coming into multiversity? I knew absolutely nothing. <laughs> and how much do you know now? Maybe I still don't know what I know. Um, it is, is okay. So the whole idea of this project intrigued me. Grant Morrison has been talking about this for a very long time, and you know, I love that the I love the undertaking of this, and I absolutely see um, how how this could be like why it took so long to get this together it is ridiculously in depth um and you know it's it's based on um there was a crossover in 1985 um which was there was a dc multiverse and that is you know so people have been kicking around ideas about this um For but, a I, ad- time, but the- I admit yeah. that i honestly didn't really know anything about this um as I've said, I, I read specific books. Um, I, I read Watchmen. I definitely dabbled in DC. I I was a little bit more of a Marvel person. Um, X Men, as as all good teenagers are. Um, <laughs> but but this wasn't you know something that I really uh, 
knew a ton about. Um, so, but even the description, you know, getting this many creators together to do these one-offs, um, like each book in this series is its own little universe. And the idea is that each of these issues could be issue one of a different series. Yeah, it's, it's so, such... so it's really intriguing, and I think that it is a massive undertaking. Um, I I have to say that the artwork um, I think is pretty incredible throughout this, um, and just the just how each book has its own feel. Yeah, and that's one um, of the one of the goals here is uh, something Grant Morrison said is he wants this to be the ultimate exploration of what the DC universe right. is, an so, ultimate celebration of that. And the DC universe is a very confusing, crazy yes, place <laughs> um, where there's these multiple Earths that exist um, in hyper time, which allows them to be existing in different eras. And they're all vibrating at different frequencies. And the Flash has been involved in some of these crossovers in the multiverse. Conrad, you're talking about um, cross a Crisis on Infinite Earths, a big event that happened in the 80s as mm-hmm. a celebration of the DC 50th anniversary, which destroyed all but five of the Earths. And then we had another multiverse event in the 2000s with the uh, aftermath, and that was uh, Infinite Crisis. Um, and then we've had another one in the that's kind of gotten us close to uh, the New 52. And it, so I got to say, first off, I was really intimidated taking this on, just the reading of this. Mm-hmm. I was intimidated doing this episode. I am sure there's a lot of listeners out there who might feel the same way or might not or might know much more. I didn't know this multiverse existed. Um, and I think it's all kind of awesome. I think it's awesome that there are these different Earths, that different stories exist in these different Earths. I always thought the Bizarro Superman was just this thing. I didn't know that there was this other world. Um, So I I was intimidated and I was really struck by the geekiness of this. And then as you and I said, okay, let's let's like actually do this for our episode. And I started to explore this. I was really – amazed at like you were saying the uh the the massiveness of this project um yes grant morrison is the person who's kind of wielding this all together and it's been something he's been thinking about for a long time but so many different artists involved so much weaving together of the dc universe and yeah these different comics that take place on many different worlds of um, many different Earths of, in the DC multiverse and all of this setting up now the future of the DC universe with this whole convergence thing that's happening. It's, it's, it's a lot, Conrad. I, I got to admit. It's a lot to take in. <laughs> yeah. I don't fully understand or know exactly what happened, but I'm looking forward to discussing this with you. Yeah, I this is the thing. I I like DC. I don't have a massive I mean I have some knowledge of different things that happened and you know, certain characters and things like that. But I think if you go into this project and I mean that's sort of what the New 52 was about um when they introduced that it was almost like a reboot to get people into it again because people felt like 
the storylines had become so muddied and crazy. And I don't know that this necessarily succeeds in helping with that problem. <laughs> but but I think that if you're a DC fan, you're this is there are so many Easter eggs within these within oh, these stories. Yes. Um, <laughs> there, it, it's very intricate. I I found it like there were certain stories within this series where I was reading them and I was just sort of like. I have no idea what is going on, and yeah. it was a little bit hard for me to follow that and to sort of keep with a couple of the books for that reason. Yeah. Um, but I still think that if you if you like graphic novels, this is this is an interesting thing to get into. So uh, you're you're absolutely right. This is layered and layered with. I don't. So I don't. Much. I yeah. I don't think that this is a good intro series for somebody who's just trying to get into comic books. That's something I was wondering. So uh, comic Comics Alliance has a fantastic series of annotations. That oh, and goes, they're amazing. They're amazing and intimidating, uh, the amount of stuff there. Uh, but if you are a, a long-term fan of DC and also Marvel, because there's, there's yeah, major there comics, um, which is, which is, was that right, Conrad? It's major comics. They're the kind of stand in for Marvel yeah, comics. Yeah. And some characters that you're familiar with, like Captain America, has a, um, a similar character here. And I mean, I think that's just amazing that, uh, Grant Morrison is kind of weaving in. And, and I know major comics has been in DC comics before, but they're weaving in also the worlds of, of Marvel Comics and Image Comics as well. I know. Um, so if you check out Comics Alliance uh, annotations, so many Easter eggs here. Right. But that's actually one of the questions I had for you, where, like, is this a good place for people to go to to try to understand what the DC Universe is no, all about? I don't think so. Uh, I like, b- because even with, and and granted, I don't have like a stunningly deep uh, level of knowledge about the DC universe. I have what I would consider sort of I don't want to say rudimentary, but you know, rudimentary but solid sense of the universe. <laughs> um, but I feel like if you were going into this cold and had never picked up or or were trying to get into to comic books and whatever. I just don't think this is where to start. Just because yeah. I was having a hard time. Oh my gosh, me getting too. through getting through. And I always have this um how did did you read this um on a tablet or did you read this on paper? Like so a I, heart like I, a, I think that's a good question because that uh, I think the way you consume this is is a part of the interesting challenge here. I read it on my iPad. So I read it on a tablet, and I like, in general, reading comics on my tablet. I like the backlit screen, how it makes the colors just pop so much. The downside to that is when there's a lot of detail with print, you can just kind of like Look hold it, it closer. Yeah. <laughs> with with an iPad, you can zoom in, but it's less kind of cool. Um, and then I left my iPad on a train and... It was in the lost and found, so I didn't have it for a while. I fortunately I got it back, but um, during that time I was I had already purchased them through Comixology, and then I read it on my desktop computer, which was so not cool. No, it was a horrible experience. But one of the challenges I had was I had saved all of these issues to read and um, together at the same time, 
which is really not the way I'd recommend consuming no. this at no. all. You can't binge read multiversity. Nope. I agree it, with that. There's it's so it's like trying to have like five stakes at the same time. Well, and you almost need to read it and I have to say if the comics book uh, comic books alliance hadn't done that the annotated notes because i was reading them and then i'd sort of refer to that um yeah that's what because i did. I think because i think that it added so much so many layers to it that i wouldn't have gotten just reading it alone um but i feel Absolutely. like uh, yeah you're totally correct you can't binge read this and i also again i just don't think that the these are stories maybe a couple of them are good jumping off points for people but i would say as a series no um, if you're looking at it like that, um, yeah, we some of them were our... very, some of them were very, very funny and ton in cheek. Um, <laughs> uh, I think you probably know which one specifically I'm talking about. I think I know exactly which one you're talking uh, there's, about. There's, there is one, one of the issues, um, which is, uh, it's the, the particular world that this is involved in, um, is like, uh, I wouldn't. It's like a little tabloidy, like a teen magazine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If that if that makes sense. Which and that so that universe sort of has um, all the supervillains have been kind of done with, and so mm -hmm. all these superheroes are just kind of like well, and they're up and hanging out. Well, and they're sort of the um, progeny of the yes of the um, of the superheroes we right, know. Right. Um, so. There's things like that. There's like a lot of they they took a lot. They're playing a lot with these different storylines and doing different funny things. Um, and then there's like a whole guide to tell you what the different worlds are, which I thought was really incredible. You know, I love that issue a lot. So that's kind of that's been criticized as being this like Dungeons and Dragons kind of like guidebook to the DC universe. But I think you kind of need it. You kind of need it. And but I, they should have released that first. <laughs> I totally agree with you, Conrad. I totally agree. So you're talking about the the it's called the Multiversity Guidebook, right. uh, Maps and Legends, which sounds like a Dungeons and Dragons book. Um, but I I love that issue and that it goes through all. The fifty-two uh, Earths, and right. and you begin to realize that oh, Earth thirty-three is like that's that's us, and you and you also get a sense of um, the interesting uh, variety of, of planets. In this. <laughs> I also I love the Earth where all the superheroes are bloodthirsty vampires. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you'd like that one. <laughs> Just the artwork was hilarious. Um, well, and that's something that's so cool here. So um, it is. Very out there. This is. It's oh, very meta. It's, in my oh opinion. my goodness. So there's uh, one thing to to explain to listeners if if you if you aren't familiar with this project. Uh, the there are these different worlds and they're kind of linked together through comic books and not just any comic books, but the comic books we're reading. So there are these nine comics in this series, and one comic shows up almost in every issue and that comic takes place on a earth that's very f that will readers will f or listeners will find very familiar and so that's kind of meta that you mm -hmm. have these comic book characters reading comic books and those and that comic, the comic books. books are having some effect and yes so there's there's that and then um 
as you mentioned, Conrad, the art is very different for each issue. And that, so this is one area where I actually think it's kind of cool for people who might be new to comic books to pick up a series like this that has different artists. Every well, issue in a different style. I think if you're interested in the artwork, yes, that is the case. But I think the stories are confusing for people to follow. And one of the things about the stories is there is a, a little bit of jumping in right in the middle of an action of the action yeah. and jumping out without any former type of confusion, right. which I think a lot of comic uh, comic book veterans will probably really like because it's like, oh, it's this message about comic books yeah, and how no. there's no beginning and ending. No, and that's totally cool. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that this is fun for people that enjoy this. And I think if you do like graphic novels and, and comic books and you're a fan, this is something, and especially if you're a DC fan, this is something you're totally going to get into. Um, I think a couple of the books are really great. Um, for Which somebody's, for, for, you know, I think some of them are kind of silly and whatever. Um, Which ones did you like? Um, I think I really, um, hang on. Masterman, I'm guessing. Masterman was definitely on there. So that's a, that's a story about Superman landing in Nazi Germany. And what would have happened if, you know, his, um, if he had been basically raised taken over, Hitler. raised by Hitler. So oh that's God. interesting. The way he's discovered by the Nazis, like how they discover his superpowers, really cracked me up. I was like, oh my God, that's horrible. Right. Um, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say they find baby uh, Kal-El and just start shooting at him and realize he's invincible, right. <laughs> which is like, I guess, such a Nazi. Right. So I liked Masterman. I liked Pax Americana. Oh, Pax Americana. Which is the, their take on uh, on Watchmen. Absolutely. Um, we'll be talking about that in, in a little bit. That yep. th- That is really is great. I really liked Society of Superheroes. I mm. love uh, the art. That, yeah, that was really cool. That had my favorite artwork. Like it's, it's that kind of, um, like, uh, it's like a pulp style, like pulp yeah. fiction style. If you if you look at it, the artwork is amazing. I really like that one too. So I mean, there's honestly not. I it, it's not even that I disliked some of them, but those were definitely up there for me. And then the Just Earth Me, which is one we've been talking about, which is like, you know, all the kids, all the sort of the younger generation of superheroes are just bored and texting and partying and you know. I- I hated that one, God. That, I, was, I, I look, I'm kind of meant to, I think. I don't. I, it's not that I liked it. Like I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the sense of humor that it oh, was okay. written yeah. with. Yeah. And um, wasn't that the issue that had a Sandman reference? Yes, and it was hilarious. Yeah. So it was. I just really enjoyed that wonderful little. Uh, it was a very ton-in-cheek story, so that I enjoyed. But um, but yeah, and I think, you know, I think if you looked at Masterman and maybe even um, the, uh, like, I think at the Society of Superheroes or that, like, if you just took those as, like, one-offs and as the start of a series, I think you could get into them. But I almost feel like you would need that and maybe the next, you know five or six issues after that to get into yeah. it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, think, I think if somebody's sort of like entering into this world, they're going to want more than just that one story. So. 
Absolutely, so. absolutely. And I mean, this like uh, Multiversity was just nominated for an Eisner Award, which is the, the the biggest award in the comic book industry. And as a whole collective project, I think it is oh, saying it's a lot. It's ins- it's it's as massive. I think people are going to be talking about this for a long time. I think it, it is. is gonna ha- it is very well done. I mean, there's no denying that this was. There was so much care that went into this project. I, it almost makes my head spin to think about the amount of time. Yeah, and it's that it's, each. I'm I'm actually amazed that they were able to do it. I know it's been a long time coming, but it surprises me that they were able to get it all together. Absolutely, just, just seeing the product, just seeing the uh, end result, I'm just amazed. It, so. It's also you know we talk a lot about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and how they time these projects together. This is really amazing that one writer with the support of DC was able to create this yeah. massive storyline that weaves together the entire DC comic book universe, make references to all the major events in the DC comic book universe, often through exact prints of the panels from classic issues, weave in all these different superheroes, time this also so this influences convergence, which is basically like a celebration of all the, of many different eras in DC comic books coming together, and time this also that this happens while DC is moving its offices, sadly, from New York City to Burbank, California, this is an achievement on the level of a lot of stuff Marvel's done with their cinematic universe. And one, my favorite part of this, probably, Conrad, is uh, the panels and how the panels work. And I, didn't even, I wasn't aware of this until I started um, listening to and reading other people's commentaries. But there's a lot of mirroring in the panels. It doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily follow the classic comic book structure of how the panels work. I had to pull out and look through Understanding Comics, that great... <laughs> yes, by Mr. McCloud. Yeah, you and I have talked about that, which is, I, I don't. I think you need to read that bef- at some point before you take on Multiversity, because it'll help you to understand the, the artistry at work here, because there's so... There's one, pan, one page in particular that I probably spent like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes looking mm-hmm. at. And that's from the Panamericana issue where it's like three different time points yep. in a series of two pages. I think you yeah, know what it's I'm amazing. Talking. It's amazing. And that right there is doing something you can only do in comic books. And we so see that so infrequently um, in comic books nowadays. And a writer... And a team of artists who are really able to say, to like, okay, you go there and you push this medium and you push the readers to it, it's. I heard someone uh, write about how reading Grant Morrison, it feels like the closer, the more you struggle to try to understand it, the more the comic book is pushing back against you, and that's what a, reading this kind of felt like. And it reminds me of what someone told me about music that. A lot of times when you might get into music, you you might start with stuff that's pop and then maybe you go indie, maybe you go really like, maybe you go like uh, modern or postmodern type of stuff, but you, you don't start there. That's not often a place where a lot of people start. You start with stuff that's a little bit easier to digest right. and then you can work your way up to the more complex tastes. And I, I totally agree with you, Conrad. That's where this sits. Um, 
this is something for people who have read a lot of comic books. This is not a place to get started. DC has made that statement in some of these interviews that this is a great introduction to the DC universe. It's not. No, no, it's not. No, no, it's not. Not at all. Not I do not agree with that assessment. Go read the dark. Yeah. I understand that they're trying to... uh, um, I understand that they're trying to get new fans in, but I just don't. I think, I think people who have not really experienced comic books would be really frustrated with this. Yeah, it's non-linear. It's it's self-referential to the comic book industry or to comic books in general. Um, but if you're a DC fan, you'll get the Batman Beyond reference. You will get all the references to these major DC events. Uh, if you're a fan of Superman Red Sun, you'll see that play out here. Um, if you're a fan of movies, I think there's a total The Big Lebowski reference on one of these Earths. Um, I think there's there's a lot of stuff happening here, but you got to be able to get those references. So I, I would yeah. definitely not start here. But if you are a fan of comics, I do think it. Do it and take the time to do it. Don't binge read it. Um, but Conrad, I don't know about you. I really want to talk about Watchmen because I think All a right. lot of stuff is coming up here. Uh, so do you want to enter into the crossover chamber then? I'm going to look up and, or look down at the crossover chamber and say... Why or what? Damn, uh, darn it, Conrad! I don't know what the the Rorschach rep line is there, but let's do it. <laughs> let's let's take us. Do, do you want a little bit of help there, Holly? Yeah, what's the line? I'm, which I'm, which one? I'm gonna look. Are you down. talking about his? They're his, gonna look up. Uh, it's the. Uh, um, you know all the listeners are screaming it at us right now. I know they are. I know they are, but it's I can't. Like I'm going to look down. They're going to look up, and they're going to ask for help. And no, gonna, no. They're going to say, save me, and I'll save say me. no. Yes. Yes, I know. <laughs> let's, let's do it. Let's head on into the infinite crossover chamber. What do we have in the crossover chamber today? In the crossover, as you implied, we have Multiversity versus Watchmen, and the question was, which uh, which comic book has the biggest impact? Is that or I think impact? We switched gears uh, at the last minute. We called it audible. Uh, what's the better exploration? Exploration of, of the comic book medium, right? So, uh, which which has an you know has a similar idea, just a little yeah. bit different. But um, so there's. Uh, this crossover was just set up for us on on a platter. So not only is there an issue, uh, part four of Multiversity, Pax Americana, which is, um, to kind of set it up, Alan Moore, when he originally pitched Watchmen, it was based on the characters from uh, Charlton uh, from Charlton Comics, I believe. Mm-hmm. And DC said, uh, DC had acquired these comics and said, hey, look, we might use those characters again in the future. And the way Watchmen's plays out, we can't use some of these characters again. So why don't you create new characters? And he just subtly changed those characters. Mm-hmm. And so Grant Morrison is taking those original characters, but kind of also taking what Watchmen does and, and playing around with it. So right. not only is there that, but there's also 
very other, uh, there's a lot of other similarities. The Dr. Manhattan symbol is very clear in part two of Multiversity. Both comics do a lot of other similar things together. This is just – this is a crossover that's been – that's meant to be. Well, I mean it's also uh, – it's also – I mean it's an homage to Watchmen. It's really the idea of taking the different political things that are going on um, and, you know, instead of the Cold War and and uh, and huh. other – and you know it does have you know the Kennedy assassination or the idea of a Kennedy assassination, but it's also talking about international terrorism, so it's modernizing it to some extent too. Yeah, in a um, way that that feels fresh uh, at the same time is in that Alan Moore style, right? And it also feels right. like it's an homage, and it could have been another issue of Watchmen. Right. And even, I mean, even the original Watchmen had a lot of interesting things going on. So you have the Vietnam War, and you've got uh, President Nixon, and other little things that they play with. Um, but it's, and this is this is definitely sort of a, I don't want to, because it isn't the same, but it's the same idea, you know. And there's a lot of parallels to this. Um, so it's, it's definitely, it was an interesting undertaking. I like the artwork in it a lot. So you, uh, um, so Pax Americana, uh, issue of Multiversity illustrated by Frank Quietly, um, which is really in the style of Dave Gibbons and what he did with yeah. Alan Moore. Yep. And even Watchmen. the panels, the way they laid out the panels are very similar. Yeah. And um, so that's one thing I really liked about this. Um, when I read Watchmen, and this is something you, you – the more you read Watchmen, the, the more you pick up on it. But it uses the panels and the way the story is told to add another layer to it. Mm-hmm. And this is something that, again, you can only really do in comic books where you – the way you explore time and how you can go forward and backwards in time – and how right. you can have different eras of t- time side by side. And, well, how- and also as a t- storytelling technique, uh, because of the way they play with time, especially in this particular story, they reveal different pieces of information and different mysteries, even though you're not necessarily reading this in a linear way, which I thought was kind of yeah. cool. I thought that was a very cool way to do some things in this. And I was really like, wow, that's... That's pretty sweet. Um, they both also do funky things like a comic within a comic. Mm-hmm. So in Watchmen, so we've talked about uh, multiversity a little bit. There's lots of different comics from multiversity appear here. But there's one in particular, Ultra Comics, that is one common comic that appears almost in all the issues of multiversity. And in Watchmen, you had Tales of the Black Freighter. Mm-hmm. What what do you think – so I I get it in multiversity, and this is something that happens in the DC Comics universe where uh, the, the different Earths have this ability to sort of communicate or understand each other through comics. That's something that's happened before multiversity. And uh, what issue one and the last issue of multiversity also talk about is how we as a readers are – influencing the comic books and that's where things get really meta and wild what was watchman trying to do with tales of the black freighter and having this comic within a comic well it's a bit of like um you know it's a little bit of a foil for the main plot so you also have like a character uh 
in Watchmen uh, reading this book. So so you see him and he's always like he's reading this book. And so the multiversity is very much pulling from that. Yeah. You know, so there's this whole, um, you know, there's this whole little meta reference going on. Um, and then the um, the kid that's reading the book in Watchmen is, um, you know, he's sitting next to this newsstand the whole time. Um, do you know? Have you, are you familiar yeah. at all? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And you know, and so the the person that's running the newsstand, he's always talking about like the latest headlines, uh, like what modern day events. And at that point, this was like supposed to be the eighties, um, and a really dark parallel universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's sort of a parallel commentary um, uh, about the plot of Watchmen, but um, you know, and it's, it's also non linear, if I remember correctly. It it is non linear, and yeah. then. Um, you know, it's also like like Alan Moore had said just when asked about this that um, the story of the Black Freighter is meant to be telling the story of um, Ozymandias, uh. who's one of the main characters. So, um, you know, and and so that's one of the things going on. So it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting tool or device, and I think that. Uh, Honestly, I think that this uh, Pax Americana was just so artfully done that it's it's pretty. It's hard for me to compare them both because there wouldn't be there wouldn't be this multiversity without Watchmen. So it's a tough it, and it's a hard one to understand. Question. Yeah, in the uh, I really like what Comics Alliance said in their in their annotations of this one. So to quote them, they said. Pax Americana is difficult to analyze because on first sight it seems to invite the analysis, but the more you dig, the more it defies you. It's not submitting to a scalpel here. Make no mistake, this is a wrestling match, and I'm not sure I'm winning. And I think that's that's how we feel overall right. about multiversity. And this is I, I think what this boils down to, Conrad, is uh, the difference in the overall project. Watchmen is one large narrative of one story. Granted, as a story within a story, but that story within the story is commenting on the larger story. Um, but it's one large story that has received critical acclaim, and we're ignoring the before Watchmen here, um, pretending yeah. they don't exist. I am ignoring that. <laughs> I haven't even read any of them. I don't know if they're any good or not, but I'm just, I, I don't know. I, I don't mean, believe. Part, honestly, part of what I still love about Watchmen and I love about Sandman. Um, or loved rather, since apparently Sandman is going, they're doing it to that yeah. as well. Ugh. Yeah, um, I one of the things I really loved about it, and this is the thing, I am a person that loved. I I loved comic books growing up. I loved those storylines, um, and you know, you like it was kind of a cool way to consume them, and you got these like excellent things that happen to different characters. But it is true at some point, like sometimes you do want the story to end. Or to go into a different direction. And what I really loved about Watchmen and I loved about Sandman was that they were self-contained. And it's the discussion you and I have had about, like, television series and and different things, and and movies and movie franchises and things like that, which is, um, is there, is there, 
I think there's room for both, but I generally I like the idea that there is an ending at some point because to me, especially if it's a story that someone has laid out and figured out what they want to do with it, it's more likely that you're you're going to have a more interesting story. The characters are going to get developed the way you want them to. You're not at the last minute trying to figure out what the heck are my, what the heck am I going to do with them? And well, it's, it's I know you disagree with me experience. about I know you disagree with me a little bit about Lost, but I feel like they kind of lost their way there, so to speak. <laughs> and um, you know, and I think I didn't comi- used to disagree with you on that one. It was after we revisited where I was like, "Oh, you know, I actually kind of like that ending." But but I think <laughs> no, you're, but you, you're right. I, it's, I don't. It's I'm not talking more... about the. I'm not talking about the ending. I'm just saying, like, I think when you have a self-contained story and an idea where the beginning and ending is, you can do a lot more within that. If you put a box around it, you can do a lot more within that space. Um, I, I I completely agree, and I think that's uh, so. This is why Watchmen has been critically acclaimed and it's it's seen as a significant work of fiction and literature mm-hmm. um, you can ask anyone that that it's it's a fantastic thing uh, that exists <laughs> and I do think you can pick up Watchmen without having read another comic book and get a lot out of it w- would you agree with that Conrad yeah I, yeah. I agree so here's um, the question. I, I think that the artwork is still good, but it is dated. It's um, dated in the style gonna, but you know what? done. And, the yeah. inking. And I mean, that's the thing, though. It's like even Sandman. I was, talking, I, was like, I was talking to somebody about this the other night, which was that it's still good stories, and I still enjoy those stories. But I feel like it, even looking at some of the artwork now i'm like oh my gosh like well and that was so cool about multiversity where you see you see artwork from all these different eras of comic books but it looks amazing (laughs) but it looks amazing because it's done now that was so cool and so this is what i think ends up being this big debate here is they both are doing a lot there's no debate in terms of the visual storytelling and how much the medium of comics is being explored in both Watchmen and Multiversity. I think the big thing is, while Watchmen is one cohesive story, Multiversity is trying to bring together the entirety of DC Comics, both in terms of time and era and content and characters. It's the whole universe, and it's trying to give you not only exposure to all of it, but also try to explore all of it. It's, it's this idea that these different, these small little pieces of stories come together to produce something big. Is that versus Watchmen a better exploration of what the comic book medium can be? I, this is a, such a tough question because um, I feel like they really... I don't know. I feel like they do different things. And um, I, I just because of the self-containment of Watchmen and the things that it was trying to do, I feel like despite the homage and, and the different things going on in Multiversity, I just feel like they're trying to do slightly different things. Um, so, I mean, my, my instinct is to say Watchmen just because it came before. And I do feel like a lot of what multiversity is wouldn't be what it is without Watchmen. Yeah. Um, but so, but that said, I can't deny 
how incredibly rich and well done multiversity is. And I think I think part of it is that I'm not um I want to see more of it. I'm not fully convinced that it tied everything together yet. And yeah. I feel like it is confusing and sometimes frustrating to read, even though you still want to make your way through it. Um, so tying all those worlds together was, you know, they, they, they're they getting there, but it's not, it's, I didn't, even finishing the series, I didn't have that big impact feeling that I had reading Watchmen. So yeah. I think I'm going to have to go with Watchmen just from that particular point of view, but I, I'm really curious to see what happens next in multiversity. Well, there is no next. I mean, there's there's a next in DC Comics. Um, well, there is a next if they decide to use any of these as starting points for series. Uh, yeah, no, that... that Which is, sounds like, I, my, I would imagine they are going to do that. That's my guess. Well, that would maybe be interesting not, then. Maybe not for all of them, but I would say that they're... I mean, I think that this was basically a way for them to test and see if there was, you know, an interest in that. And I think clearly there is. So that's interesting. I didn't even think about that, but you're absolutely right. Um, I could see Masterman becoming a series. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. So, you know, I think that's totally a possibility and how comic books work. They want to make what sells. So, well, um, so story wise, Conrad, I agree with you. I think if we're going by, if we're adding in the variable of of stories, uh, I think we got to go Watchmen. If we're thinking about visually and the visual element of the comic book medium, then I would go multiversity. But it's so hard because you're you're right. It's almost like debating a work of art that's postmodern, which right. the equivalent here would be multiversity, versus something from the Impressionist era. Right, right. They they have influenced each other, and they're coming at art from a, such a different perspective. I think the cohesiveness and the rewarding beginning and end of story from Watchmen makes us the winner. But right. visually, boy, no, it is I, like a bouquet of wonderful awesomeness, yeah. multiversity. All right. I'm so. Yeah, I, I, I think I we're agree. on the same page here. I think we're on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, dear listeners, let us know um, what you think about Watchmen versus Multiversity, and what series is making the bigger impact on the comic book industry uh, or the comic book medium. I'm sorry, very different. Those are different, yes. very different questions. So with that, let us close the doors on the infinite crossover chamber, and on to our top five. Conrad, what are we talking about in this epic multiverse world or universe that we live in? Uh, We are talking about our top five parallel universe stories. Um, um, How how did you go about making your list? This was a tough one um, because (laughs) there were some things that immediately came to mind. Um, but there's also certain episodes on, on television series that I remember thinking were super cool. So I did a little bit of research on that just to remind myself of them. Um, and, you know, especially especially when you're talking about like a television series, the parallel universe as a storytelling tool or to do different things with characters or reveal things about the characters you think you know, I always find interesting. 
um, the whole question, what if something yeah. had changed or this, this circumstances had changed. It's a whole, it's a wonderful life kind of Absolutely. question. Absolutely. Um, speaking of a timeless story. Um, <laughs> but so, so I just picked out a few of my favorites. I actually probably would have had quite a longer list if it had been like top 20, you know what I mean? So, sure. Because yeah. this has always been one of my favorite things. You and I like the timey-wimey-ness. Oh, we really love it. Oh, we love it. And I think it's it's exactly for that reason that you said. It's like, it's the idea of what if. Like, we love that idea, exploring that idea ourselves. Mm-hmm. What if I had done this instead? What if that had happened differently? And I think that that's a such an existential question so many of us wonder. And these stories give us an opportunity to see what would happen to the characters we love if they were in very different circumstances. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing about your list. What's on your number five? Um, my number five is Donnie Darko. Oh, I I somehow had a feeling this would be on your list. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because so, this is one of those films we've talked about before. It's one of my favorites. But um, there is a parallel universe going on, but it's not always completely clear what is happening. Yeah. And when you realize what is actually happening, it's like, oh, my gosh, really? Um, so <laughs> it, it just, it, it's this, and it really does leave it till the end. And there's a lot of mystery going on with it and hints going on with it. Um, I think sometimes... Um, much like multiversity, this storytelling could be a little bit more clear. Um, sure. But I still and, and it benefits from rewatching. You do get benefits from rewatching it, um, but I still think that it was this very cool story, especially at the time that it happened. Yeah. Um, that really had a massive impact on me. So Donnie Darko is my number five. Well, my number five had a massive impact on me as well. It's the first time I think I experienced a parallel universe type of story. And it really got my head spinning in many different directions, um, in positive directions. And it is Back to the Future Part 2. And it's the Biff-verse that we see. The (laughs) Biff-verse. That's that's what I'm calling it. Um, So for those of you who don't know, and shame on you if you don't, go watch Back to the Future trilogy right now. Uh, This is not everyone's favorite Back to the Future. It is mine. I really love Back to the Future and one of the re- Back to the Future Part 2. One of the reasons why I love it is it goes you have the present, the past, the future and an alternate timeline. That is really exciting to me how it weaves all those things together. And basically what happens is one single event changes this universe and takes it into a very dark direction where um, unfamiliar things have happened to our familiar characters. And Marty McFly has to go back in time to a time that exists from the first movie. And then there's that added layer of two of those storylines happening at the same time. I just love how wibbly wobbly it gets. (laughs) And um, it's a funny story. Um, I love it. So that's my number five pick. Cool. Yeah. What's your number four? Well, my number four is a little weird. Um, it's uh, I'm picking a whole series, and I'm picking sliders. And I th- oh my gosh, really? Yeah, yeah. Is it on yours? Uh, it was on my. Um, yes, yes, it was on mine. It was, <laughs> what a number little, it was a little higher on my list, though. Well, I had a hard time picking one episode. That's why I made it uh, number four. And uh, I, uh, I love th- this this series. 
was so much fun. And it was exploring the idea of the multiverse far before a lot of these other type of stories were. You know, Back to the Future takes a very linear perspective on time travel. You change one thing, everything's been changed, and then you can go back and fix it and everything's put together. Mm-hmm. Whereas Sliders was really taking the idea that exists now in, uh, in, in science, this whole idea that there are, this is a multiverse, there could be infinite number of Earths. And I love that. It did this so long ago. It did this kind of in the mid-90s or early 90s. Um, John Rhys Davies is, is in here from Indiana Jones. Uh, that drew a lot of people in. Um, really cool. Every episode, different Earth, uh, different perspective. And sometimes so close to the Earth that they're trying to get back to and yet so far away. So it took a lot of what I loved about Quantum Leap, um, added what I loved about Back to the Future, and boom, there you go. You've got sliders. Cool. What um, What did you like about the show? Um, I just loved the fact that they were all. Whenever they they were always trying to figure out what their timeline was, whether they were in their timeline, and it was always this, you know, trying to subtly figure out if something had changed, and um, their they used the timelines as such a like such an interesting tool like one of the ones that i just immediately came to mind is what would happen if california was actually um settled as part of mexico oh yeah yeah um yeah. and so the and it used it as an you know basically uh to talk about because you know um apparently in this particular world um, white people were the domestic servants. It was, you know, and it was just an interesting commentary. So I liked how they used that. Um, I liked the acting, even though it was somewhat cheesy. This was definitely one of my little, like, uh, you know, it would always be on sci- the Sci-Fi Channel, especially yeah. when it got syndicated <laughs> and stuff like that. And I didn't, I think probably the first couple of seasons were the best, and they it yeah. got a little terrible after that. Once but, it got picked up by sci-fi, yeah, yeah. didn't really. Uh, I didn't really stuff. follow it, but it was still a lot of fun. And I just, the whole the whole idea, just how they would create these different worlds as part of their storylines, I thought was very, very cool. So Yeah, it, it kind of taps into a little bit of what we like about Twilight Zone. Um, those kind of, a little bit of social commentary, a little bit of humor, a little bit of scared kind of scary kind of stuff i like an episode where um uh young people sort of become the dominant age group and i think they're really um angry with uh older generations for like bankrupting social security or something like that and it kind of asks this question of what would happen if sort of some of the social dynamics are kind of flipped upside down so sometimes you had really silly episodes sometimes you had fun ones but it was always entertaining yeah. Um, yeah. So what number was Sliders for you? Sliders was number three for me. Number three. Got it. Okay. So yeah. what's your number four? Uh, my number four was an episode in Buffy called The Wish. Ah, uh, yeah. And it was this cool little, you know, it was their way of exploring things with a certain character, Cordelia, and it, it was exploring what would have happened if Buffy had never sort of, if she hadn't come to uh, Sunnyvale. And... It was just the way they did it was excellent. They they had a very good time in playing with certain characters, like certain characters were vampires or evil or bad or whatever, and the whole world was very different. They also introduced one of my favorite characters, Anya, who is um, like a vengeance demon, um, and she 
you know, provide a lot of entertainment throughout the series. So, um, so I threw it there as number four. Nice. Nice. Good pick. Uh, number three, my number three comes, uh, it's a little bit more recent than Back to the Future Part 2 and Sliders or Buffy. And it's Community's episode Remedial Chaos Theory. Mm. This is a sort of a parallel universe storyline. And uh, it sort of became an internet meme a little bit. Um, one of the stories is a exploration of the darkest timeline. And that's sort of like the most evil, most horrible type of timeline. And there's a nice homage to uh, Spock in the mirror universe of Star Trek, Mirror Mirror, where Abed is wearing this uh, like really fake looking goatee. Um, and this is actually something that a lot of mirror universe episodes or dark universe, parallel universe episodes have done is uh, homage to Spock and his evil goatee there. Um, but uh, it's it's hilarious. It's fun. It flips these characters in very different directions. Um, what happens to them in, in this episode is is just uh, just deliciously fun, as we come to expect from Community. So uh, that's my number three pick. Cool. And your number three was Sliders, mm-hmm. which takes us to number two. Um, my number two is Doctor Who, and there are several episodes that happen where there are parallel universes. Um, but... Um, during uh the series there's a few different things like there's there's parts where the doctor talks about the fact that every every decision creates a parallel universe which i thought was kind of interesting i was wondering about that how that works in the whovian universe yeah and so they they play with this there's several different episodes um rise of the cybermen um then there's also you know there's um they used this as um, a tool when uh, Rose Tyler, who was in the in the you know in the series reboot, um, Billy Piper played by Billy Piper. So her character, um, they she was leaving the show, and they gave like the they used it in such a heartbreaking way, like that they knew that this second universe existed and good things happened or bad things happened in different universes to certain characters that that you really cared about and so it was I don't want to give away too much I really don't want to spoil it for people but it was a heartbreaking way Mm. to say goodbye to her character even though you weren't always wild or at least I wasn't always wild about her but I thought she was kind (laughs) of fun but I you know I thought that it's it was just... an emotional one. It was a really emotional one. You know yeah. what I'm talking about, Yeah, right? I know yeah. what you're talking about, yeah. Um, and it's, it's... And they do this, and they did it very well, and they don't overuse it too much. Um, but I guess with, when you have a time-traveling doctor, it's it's always likely that this is going to happen. So... Um, it does come up. Yeah, just a bit. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so that I had to have it on this list. Good pick. Um, my number two... Uh, comes from Star Trek, and it is an episode of The Next Generation. It's one oh, of my favorite. I, that was on my honorable mentions, I think. Oh, Go I'm ahead. Going with The Next Generation's episode, Yesterday's Enterprise. Yeah, I thought you might do that one. Oh, it's good. Love, love this episode. So basically, um, I won't ruin it because it is an amazing episode of Next Generation. It really um, is. It's, it's one of those, um, uh, it's, 
it's it's a parallel universe story where one thing happens differently and that one event has massive implications for the for the entire alpha quadrant and this launches the federation and klingons into this massive war and the federation has been completely changed certain characters are now there who weren't there before Mm -hmm. and that was amazing in itself that this episode brings back a character from season one of Star Trek The Next Generation. And then as the events of that episode unfold, it has ripples in some future episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation in the, the for lack of a better word, the prime universe, the universe we're used to. It's a nice self-contained story that um, I think anyone can watch without really ha- having too much knowledge of Star Trek. It's, um, it's a lot of fun. It, it, it keeps you on the edge of your seat till the end. And it's got one of my favorite lines in Star Trek, which is, let's make sure that history never forgets the name Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Picard out. I love that line. It always makes me want to like, just jump in the air and, and scream and then sit politely down and eat or drink some Earl Grey tea hot so very hot, very hot. Uh, that's my number two pick. Uh, yesterday's Enterprise. Cool, Conrad. That takes us to number one picks. I think you better go first here. Um, my number one. It well it has to be Fringe, of course. Oh, I, you know. So I, 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 I have a lot on honorable mentions, but Fringe, just in terms of, it did get confusing sometimes. But they used it was part of their main storyline. Um, and you know, JJ loves, loves his parallel worlds. Yeah, he does. does. Um, and we've talked about it before. I I have no hesitation because I haven't seen it. And I, every time you bring it up, it really makes me want to watch it. Yeah. I'm surprised you haven't yet. You really should just do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think Um, I should do it, but it really becomes a, a lot of parallel universe stuff is explored, right? Oh yeah. By the end. Yeah. 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 Especially by the end. And you know, I don't know that they necessarily wrapped everything up to my liking, but I thought it was pretty good. So, um, and just some interesting ideas surrounding it. And as as you and I have discussed, when Leonard Nimoy appears, <laughs> it's amazing. So, so yeah, oh so that's my, my number one. Um, and then I had a few on the on the um, honorable mention list, but but let's hear about your number one. Well, first. my number one also involves Leonard Nimoy. No, uh, I, is it the other Star Trek episode <laughs> that I was thinking of? Yeah, well, it's um, it's the Mirror yeah, Universe. I know, yeah, that one's really cool. In Star Trek. So, um, the Mirror Universe all gets started in an episode of the original series called Mirror Mirror. And this is what I was alluding to earlier with Abed wearing that goatee, um, which is referencing this episode where the, oh, there's a little bit of a transporter accident and a few of the crew members are transported to this really dark universe of the United Federation of Planets. And what what I love about the Mirror Universe is it plays out in almost every Star Trek series. We don't see it in Star Trek The Next Generation and we don't see it in Voyager because Voyager is kind of a copy of The Next Generation. Um, uh, they do have it in Voyager, I think. They don't. They don't. There's no mirror. There is in Deep Space Nine. There's uh, quite a few Deep Space Nine episodes that take place in the mirror universe. And there are uh, there is uh, an as- epic, epic episode 
in uh, Star Trek Enterprise that takes place in the Mirror Universe. Mm. But what's so cool is here is our shining, optimistic, sci-fi vision of the future and all these characters that are so beloved. And then we flip them and take them into this really dark universe. And it, it speaks to that idea that you and I talked about up top, which is why we love these stories. It's these characters in very different circumstances. And I love that this universe is um, its fleshed out over the course of all these 500 episodes of Star Trek. And we, we really get to see what this world is like. Um, and it bounces back and forth with the real universe, that the prime universe we know. So um, I... Every time there was a Mirror Universe episode, I just got so giddy and I started smiling because I knew I was going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, those are always so much fun. So, good choice. Oh, man. Let's uh, shoot out some honorable mentions. I think well, we that was on it. my honorable mention Yeah, because um, I figured you'd have it somewhere in there. I thought it would come <laughs> up. I, I, I thought it might be your number one, but I wasn't sure. Um, oh, Conrad, you know me so well. Um, but I also had Inception, mm-hmm. um, Pleasantville. Oh, yeah, um, Source code. Love, love it. Uh, so those were like three that came to mind. It's a Wonderful Life because it's, you know, I mentioned classic. in the beginning, yeah. it's just like a classic and that's like the classic what if. Yeah. Um, but, you know, generally I just really enjoy whenever that's the topic. So I think a lot of the movies and, and shows that I like tends tends to include a lot of that as a theme. So what about you? Did you have any? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't don't have to mention it because we've mentioned it so many times, but I do like the alternate universe in the new Star Trek films. I think it's cool yep. that they reboot it that way. Um, the Family Man, I think, is really cool. Wizard of Oz for the classic stuff. Uh, X-Men Days of Future Past, I, the, the comic or the movie, you can go with yep. that. Um, and uh, two more, they're both video games, The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the I, Past. I thought about that, too. I was like, huh, <laughs> okay. The Dark Hyrule. And then um, also Bioshock Infinite. Uh, parallel universes are really at play there. I and also thought about um, Neverwhere because it's sort of the oh, living yeah. above and below, which I thought was kind of cool. But You could also toss in and Narnia. Uh, Mist. Oh, Narnia would go to. There's Narnia a lot. Chronicles. In, There's oh so God. many. See, and, it's just like you could go on and on forever. And I bet in a parallel universe... Uh, you and I probably do do that in the parallel universe <laughs> we where probably do. Nerd Hour goes on for six hours, which is not too much of a twist on, on no, reality. No, not really. <laughs> um, Conrad, that was awesome. I would love to hear from our listeners. Yeah, about- I want to hear favorite parallel universe stories from them. Yeah. There's so many, and we would love to hear from, from all of you. So please let us know. You can find us on Twitter at NerdHour, or you send us an email um, at the address, infos at superfantasticnerdhour.com, or just visit our website, nerdhour.com. Uh, Conrad, in the meantime, where can people find you? I am on the Twitterverse. <laughs> Dive Princess is my name on there, and Reanimated, the zombie podcast, which is reanimatedpodcast.com, or on Twitter, reanimatedpcast. I am also on the Twitterverse. You can find me at Olima2. Uh, you can also find me at BrainNosBetter.com, where I write about the psychology of science fiction. And th- if you go to thepsychshow.com, that'll get you to my YouTube channel, where I talk about psychology and all the lovely fun things about it. Uh, and t- wears wigs. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. If- 
If you want to see me wear a Princess Leia wig that was... That oh, is where you go. <laughs> that is That was homemade and made out of felt by uh, my lovely partner, Nguyen Lee, who very begrudgingly and with great patience made that. Um, check out our, or my, um, May the 4th Star Wars Spectacular episode. Uh, so yeah, lots of wig stuff in there. People, people have said they loved it or they were so distracted by it that they couldn't pay attention to anything I was saying in that episode. Um, I would imagine that that was the case because I only saw it like stills from it and I couldn't get that image out of my head. <laughs> oh man so if you like that go check out that episode um conrad that was a lot of fun i think i'm gonna go have to drink some green tea to kind of rest my mind after all that uh wibbly wobbly tiny exploration <laughs> of the universe or the multiverse i should say um but until next time conrad live long and prosper indeed